RadioInfluence.com. Ah, thank God. Another another week is in the books. Thank God I'm living. Thank God you're living. You're living, right? You're right. Thank God, right? Thank you. We got another one in. Let's get this one in. Let's get another one in. Let's keep on going. Boy, I know some people have gotten cancer lately. Oh, man. Ah. But we are not going to start on a down note. I'm in a good mood. This is the Thanksgiving weekend, week, I mean, and it's, you know, the holidays. And all is good. All is good. I've had a really, 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 really good weekend. I hope you did. And let's, I'll get into all of that. All right. But let me, you're tuning in for the guest. And today's guest is a broadcaster that has been broadcasting, has been an analyst in the NHL for, he's in his, I believe, fourth decade. He played as a goalie. He got into broadcasting and he's never left. And he's always been uh, employed. He's, uh, you know, he's up there now. I think I looked it up, maybe 76 or something like that. If you're a couple of years younger than that, Chief, you certainly look younger. Uh, Don't hold me to it. But you're still going strong. And I love that. And what I try to do on the rock stops here, how did you make it to the top? If you're broadcasting NHL games, that's the top. Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA. You can't go any higher than that. You know what I mean? And uh, how do you do it? How do you do it? And how are you still doing it? So it's Bobby the Chief Taylor. Very, very popular in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, If you're outside of the Tampa Bay area, maybe you don't know about him. Well, you're going to know about him now. Now, we were pressed for time a little bit, and I'll take it when I can get it. I had it all set up. We were doing it over at... Cigar City. It's a beautiful, beautiful establishment right on the plaza outside of Amelie Arena where the Tampa Bay Lightning play in downtown Tampa. And they've got a location right there underneath the parking garage and the fans. It's the setting and how they have set up that. By the way, downtown, if you have not been in downtown Tampa, oh my God, the Water Street project is incredible. Rick Flair sighting. I'll get to that. But let me get to the task at hand here. We were, you know, I went early and I, I really am always conscious of the sound. I want to make sure that you guys, you can hear my guests clearly. Um, and so I got there before they opened and I talked to the manager and I said, now my guest, Bobby, the chief Taylor, I'm going to be interviewed. Oh, he's not going to be here for a while. He was doing a radio show, a pre pregame show. And he does it in this cigar city in the uh, sports pub. And it hadn't opened yet. And I like, okay, okay, that's fine. But when, when he comes in and when they do the show, do you, she goes, I turn them up. Okay, I got it. But when they're not here, you know, when they're not doing the show, because I'm going to interview him. I'm going to interview the chief here. She goes, then I have the music up. I said, oh, okay. So I said, oh, boy. Then I'm out on the plaza, and they're just boom, 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 boom. And they got the music on. You got the people wearing the the, the sweaters, the jerseys. And, and, you know, it's starting to happen a little bit. And I'm like, boy, it's kind of loud out here, too. Dang it. Well, you know what? I'll walk all the way down here in between the JW Marriott and the parking garage, and there's these nice metal benches. And you know what? It's it's not bad. I'll have Chief walk down here. So I'm waiting, waiting. Chief comes up, boom, grabs me on the arm. Oh, man, he's looking like a million bucks with his suits on. He always dresses impeccably. And a smile, and he goes, I got to do something for somebody else. It's about 10 minutes, da-da-da-da-da. He's going to be on the air at 3 o'clock, and I knew time. And he goes, I got to go in here. I'm in here. And we went in, boom, boom, boom. He's waiting around. He goes, you want to just do do it right now? You want to bang it right now? He goes, what about the music? I said, I take what I can get. So that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do in broadcasting. Be successful. Right now? Right now? Well, right now or not? Well, right now. So that's what we did. And it's really not that bad. But if you hear some background music and there was a guy doing announcements when we started. (laughs) But it's really not bad at all. I checked it out. So without further ado, oh, he's such a good guy. Bobby the Chief Taylor. 
All right, I am with the great Bobby the Chief Taylor. I mean, you know, he played as a, as a goalie in the NHL with the Flyers. He broadcasted for years with the Flyers, years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and nationally as well, and he is still doing it, and he's doing it well. Chief, how are you? I'm doing great, Rod. Man, it makes me sound like I'm about 104 years old. I've been doing it for so long. I just keep telling you, I pickled from the inside out. That's why. Seriously, how many years have you been broadcasting? Ooh, I uh, I quit playing in 77 or 78, somewhere around there. And then uh, they started that thing in Philadelphia called PRISM, Philadelphia Regional in Home Sports and Movies. Yeah, and so that's when I first got into it. And then they found out I had a marketing degree, so I ended up selling it too. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be traveling all over the tri-state area, you know, Pennsylvania, Jersey, and Delaware, selling it and then doing the games at night. So it was really, it was it was fun. It was the best time of my life. Yeah, because I did all the sports then, Rock. The only thing I didn't do was basketball and and baseball. And you know me and baseball. I love baseball. I tried like Cal to get my to get my foot in the door for baseball, but they wouldn't they wanted to keep me at hockey and I did wrestling. I did uh track and field. I did a lot of boxing. I did um gymnastics. <laughs> All this stuff. Yeah, and rodeo. They found out I was from Calgary, Alberta, so I ended up doing rodeo at a little place south Jersey called Cowtown. And they had a rodeo every Saturday night, so I'd go down there and do rodeo. Yeah, it was... I mean, you talk about doing the gamut of things in the first year of broadcasting, and boy, did I have a ball. I mean, you're, it keeps it interesting, as you know. Well, usually I do it. We're going to, you know, you got a lot going on. We're here, and you're going to be doing your pregame show, so I'll keep it a little bit short, and I usually do wait till the end. But I want to hit you right now. What do you think is the reason for your longevity, consistency in broadcasting? Is it a couple of different things? Is there What, what do you think, Chief? Well, you know, when I first started it and getting into hockey and going into when USA had the national contract and, and um, Eddie Westfall, you know, the longtime Bruin and, of course, the Great Islander when they won their four uh, cups, he was doing it as well. And we were doing it for uh, ESPN2 and then we were doing it for uh, CTV. They were trying to start a hockey night on Wednesday night in Canada. And then he told me two things that, was re- that stuck with me. And he said, first thing, he said, if you always criticize... You have no credibility. If you always praise, you have no credibility. And the second thing it is, don't tell them what, tell them why. Because he says, we all know what because we see it. But why did it happen? And that's what, and I've been trying to keep that. And and those two pieces of advice from Eddie Westfall, maybe that's the reason why I've stuck around so long. Because I've had more people tell me, gosh, I learned more about this game of hockey from you than anybody. And I said, because when a goal is scored, why was it? You know, there's always a mistake made somewhere when, in any sport when you score. So you try to balance that a little bit. Say, well, this guy didn't make the right choice. And at one time when I first started, I used to say, oh, that was an awful play. <laughs> they would get mad at me. So I'd go, well, he made the wrong choice now. <laughs> so I kind of soft pedal it now. Now, a lot of guys... When you make it to the NHL or NBA or NFL, you know, that's been the goal. And, and, and you've had to work so hard to make it to that level. And then all of a sudden it's done and you're really young and they don't know what to do. Did you fall into broadcasting where when you were ending playing, were you thinking that's what I want to do? How, how did it come about, Chief? You're 100% right. I just fell into it. I, I was traded to Pittsburgh, myself and Ed Van Imp, and uh, we finished that year and... Uh, they came to me and said, well, uh, Ren Blair was the general manager then, and uh, he said, well, we'll sign you to a contract. Then the next day he talked to me, he says, well, I want you to come to camp and make the team. Then he said he wanted to sign me. Then he wanted me to come to team. This was about the fifth time I said, you know what? I'm done. I, want, I started in the worst league in the world, in the Eastern League, which was the Slapshot Movie League. I worked myself up to get two Stanley Cups. I'm not working myself down. So you know what you can do with your team. And I walked out. And I goes, well, great great job now, Indian. What are you going to do now? <laughs> but Bobby Clark and I have been close forever. And we were talking. We were playing golf one day. And he says, what are you going to do, Chief? He says, you know, Whitey, I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know, I got my marketing degree. I'll probably go and look for a job. And that. he says, he says, well, let's go talk to Mr. Snyder because they're starting that new TV channel up, that prism. He says, maybe you can get on there. And I said, great. 
I went on there. Uh, Lou Scheinfeld, he was a great guy, uh, was running it all. And he said he was shocked that I was giving up hockey so quickly. But they wanted me because of the name recognition, you know, with the Flyers. And it was just, you know, a couple of years after we won the Cup. And um, so he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. And so that's when I did the 52 events, included 25 hockey games. And the rest was like I told you. And then they found out I had the marketing degree, and that's when I started selling it. So then it just progressed from there. Okay, just a couple more. How did it? How did it happen to come down to Tampa Bay? Were they one year in existence? How did that come about? And were, was that a goal to go to Florida or no? Because no, actually, um, well, Jay Snyder took over for his dad, and when he took over, he wanted to get rid of everything that his dad did and just put his own stamp on the team. And so myself and this Gene, longtime Hall of Fame hockey announcer, by the way, they moved us out. He was just going to do spring, and I was just going to be run the alumni and be PR. And then uh, the TV stations and the radio stations said, we're not simulcasting if these two guys aren't on it. So then we went back to radio. And then it was going on there. And then Phil started up the team here in the second, in the first year. And then the second year, uh, I got a call from uh, a friend of mine that lived in Sarasota. He says, you know, Danny Gare's going into coaching and they're looking for a color analyst. So I called Phil. You know, we've played against one another for a long time. And he knew it. And he said, you're going to leave Philly? I said, yeah. He says, you know, you know, so and he says, well, send me a tape. I go, what? Send me a tape? You and I have known each other for 20 years. What do you mean send you a tape? He said, well, that's what they have to do, Chief. He said, and, and then he came down and, and he, he hired me with John Kelly. And then uh, that, that's how it evolved. But it just evolved. It was never one that I even thought of broadcasting. But I had one guy tell, tell me, he said, I know a guy that's you're better at BS than you are at stopping pucks, so you'd be great at it. <laughs> Here's my last one for you, Chief. Did you ever think that hockey – would be so successful in Tampa Bay when you first started broadcasting for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Not really, Rock, you know, because everybody was so new to it and, and everybody was used to, see, right, hockey's so different, you know, you, you got to see the game live to really appreciate it. You know, I know it's, it can be good on TV with all the new innovations they have, but it's not like watching it live. You watch it live, you get the feel of the crowd and the and the excitement of the game. And so much of our game happens away from the puck. So you get to see that. And, you know, and you know, you know, if you're on TV, all of a sudden you, the camera goes back to two guys fighting. You go, what the heck started that? You know, but when you're at the game, you know it. And I thought that was something that it would take them a little while to warm up to. You know, and then when Mr. Minnie came here, it just skyrocketed. I mean, he's the best owner in sport. I don't care what team you can call. This guy's the best. Any advice to a young broadcaster that wants to get into this crazy business, Chief? What advice would you give them? You got to do it. A lot of teams, a lot of colleges, a lot of high schools, they have that radio, you know, that video where you can do that and go and do the Call the local cable company. Sometimes, you know, get into high school football or high school basketball. You just got to get out and do it. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll become with it. And, you know, and you, one of the things you have to learn is that you have to have an economy of words. You can't get too fluent, you know, because you don't have enough time. You know, and I had a guy teach me when I first got in. I used to have to carry around a little tape recorder. And he'd have me describe things like that tree, like that sign, like that building. And he said what he would do, you would take, and then he would criticize me. he see, you know, good idea, that sign. It's rectangular. It's red. It's got the letters stop written in white so you can see it. And then if I would go on and on and on, he says, no, you just said it right away at the first time. So if you learn, because when you're in broadcasting rock, we're describing stuff, especially radio. So if you get the economy of words and still get your point across, that's the beauty of it. Awesome. You are the best. You're always so dapper. You look great. Thank God you're healthy, Chief. Thank you so much. Thanks. And you know, pickled from the inside out, remember that. You know, I can't. I was, so I walked out of there, and then he was doing his radio show before the Lightning game. They were taking on the New Jersey Devils on this particular day. There were so many Devils. There was a lot of Devils jerseys. What do you? You people must have moved here from New Jersey. I'm from Jersey. You did not fly down here for this one regular season Lightning game, did you? Really? Maybe. Maybe. You know, with the weather turning colder now up north, maybe we're getting that. 
But it was probably just a lot of transplants. But there's a lot of devil's jerseys. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Just just the vibe out on Thunder Alley. That's what they call it. The big patio. And oh my, just the whole downtown area. I even walked around a little bit. Uh, the sale, a full sale. It's another outdoor venue right across from the Tampa Convention Center. I broadcasted from there last couple of years. Many, many, many shows. So they redid that and they opened it out. And you can see the river, the Hillsborough River, but they have nice boats. There's a couple of yachts. The Marriott's there. Like I said, this JW Marriott and Marriott Waterside and the Riverwalk. And then everybody is outside. The weather is great. They're having their drinks. There's the taxi, water taxi. You can get out. You can get out in the water. You can walk along the the, the riverfront in the water. It's just, I mean, gorgeous downtown. Just gorgeous. And what a location. And the vibe. Like it's like an event. Like Chief was saying, hockey is best seen live. You know, there are some that translate, hey, baseball's fine on TV. Football is fine on TV. You know, and I was, a couple of years ago, I was like most of you, like, why do I want to go to a game when I can have my big screen TV and, you know, my beer is cheap and cold here and I can go to the bathroom with nobody else in line and I don't have to worry about parking and driving. And it was like, you know, that's like, now it's almost shifted a little bit. Like I, maybe because of the pandemic, I just thought of this, maybe because of the pandemic where we couldn't go to games and there were no games. And then when there were games, there were no fans or media. You couldn't go. Maybe that's why I appreciate it more. I love the live events even more. And going to a lightning game is just second to none. It's like an event, like Chief said. It's fun. It's the vibe. It gets your adrenaline going, you know? And it's not like that for the where the baseball team plays here at Tropicana Field. I mean, it's not bad. I think a lot of people really rip into it, and it's not that bad. But anyway, I'm not doing stadium talk today. I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate you, Chief. Thank you. And walking out of there. And then I walked a little bit around downtown, too. Just to, I like to do that just to get the vibe. And it's 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 thriving. It is a what a city. Tampa, St. Pete, for years has been just everybody flocking to there. Then we got the beaches and uh, you know what? I should be in the Chamber of Commerce because right now it's a good time of year to be here. And wherever you are. You do your best, right? <laughs> you do your best. I was driving home the other uh, night from uh, the Bucks game, and I had to laugh. I think that's where I was coming from, and I had to laugh. I stopped. I didn't go in. I'm not a strip bar guy. It's just not. I don't want women coming over and begging for a lap dance. I'm just trying to put that pressure on to, you know, fork over however much it is. It's just not you know, hey, man, they got to make the, you know, if someone's willing to pay to see you dance, God bless America. You know, that's that's what it's about. And you're making a good living and guys are getting what they they want, you know. So nothing against it. It's just not my thing. But I had to laugh. There was a big billboard outside this strip bar in Tampa Bay. Wings and the NFL package all Sunday long. Be, this is your spot to watch the games. And it, and, it, and it was a dark, dungy strip bar. And I had to laugh. I'm like, if I'm going to eat wings or I really want to concentrate on my football, I ain't going there. Are you going there? Why are you going there? You're going there for the dancers, right? Isn't that why you go there? Like you go to a steakhouse for your steak. If you're going to Dairy Queen, you're going for the ice cream. You know what I'm saying? You going to a craft beer bar? You going for craft beer? Strip bar, NFL package, wings. That's the other thing I, I didn't understand when I came down here. Like the, you know, eating while they're trying to give you a lap dance. Uh, eating food, that is. Uh, anyway, I just, I, I kind of found that funny, you know. <laughs> but, hey, again, you, you do what you got to do. I mentioned there was a Ric Flair sighting. Now, Ric Flair you know, he made it through death, almost dying, almost dying. And he said the other day he'd rather die in the ring than go on a vent. No, not a ventilator. What was it? Um, in uh, intensive care. 
Or it might have been a ventilator. He'd rather die in the ring. And so at one of the lightning games that I was at last week, maybe, guy came in. We were eating together at the dining hall before the game. And he's like, you know who I spotted out there on Water Street? Ric Flair. He w- I said, oh, my God. He goes, I recognize him. He goes, oh, I look a little rough. I mean, Ric Flair's older and he's been through a lot. And he was just walking into the condo building. It is gorgeous. It is right next to where the players come in uh, for the lightning. And it's this high rise. It's beautiful. And he was going in there. And I was like, hmm. And I've, I've noticed, I thought he was outside of the Atlanta area, but he might have a family member or something, or one of his kids might have a place there. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's a second place. I know he visited my friend Brian Nobbs, one half of the Nasty Boys, who was in the hospital. And I saw the picture, and it looked like the hazmat suit. You know, he was in there, and he had everything on. He was visiting Nobbs. Uh, he also was at Hogan's Beach club it's a sports bar right on mandalay bay right in clearwater beach right in the heart north shore you know you get a cul-de-sac not a cul-de-sac a roundabout you go right it's right on the main drag right on the corner right across from a beautiful beautiful hotel the sand pearl caddy corner and uh i saw flair flair was there with the hulkster so i don't know is he i don't know if he's just hear more. He must have somebody that he's visiting other than just these guys. I don't think he's crashing with knobs. I don't think he's crashing at Hogan's place. He's not going to crash at the uh, Hogan's beach club. But anyway, Rick Flair siding. I did tell you about the Joe Girardi siding, right? I think I did on the last podcast. We were down in Boca. My daughter had an event down there with friends, little camp friends. And my wife and I just went into this, Greek salad, Greek uh, place, you know, homemade where you had to wait a long time because they make everything fresh. And Joe Girardi walks in with, he's in great shape with his uh, wife. And I didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. And I whispered to my wife, I go, that guy's a manager in Major League Baseball. He was with the Yankees for years. He's with the Phillies. He played. She goes, really? Yeah. And then when I'm finally, they called my number, got my order. We were walking out and I said, hey, Joe, you, uh, you enjoying the off season? And he looked at me and he's like, yes, we, yes, yes, I am. And he goes, have a nice day. I said, have a nice day. And that's the thing I wanted to ask you. Like, when is it, you know, these are public figures and everybody would love to have a picture with somebody that's famous to post on your Instagram, your Facebook, whatever your thing is. Come on now. Come on now. You know, you would love it. But it's, and they are in public. Because they were at a place, he was getting this salad, I think, a Greek salad. He he has no body fat on him. He is in great shape. He's very strict. I I actually went and looked up. I was reading reading up on him that when he was with the Yankees, no, my wife was because he had a long trip back. That he didn't he didn't allow like sweets or candy or something like that in a clubhouse with the Yankees. Like he's really really strict with that. But I don't know, man. You know what? I know I used to do a show with Martin Gramatica not that long ago on radio. Martin Gramatica was the kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won the Super Bowl. He was with the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Saints a little bit, Colts. And uh, he does the Spanish broadcast of Buccaneer games on radio. And when last season during the, when Brett Favre came to watch Tom Brady play, at Raymond James Stadium, Martin was like, he told me, he's like, I got I to gotta get a picture. I got to get a picture. It's Brett Favre. And he asked him to do the picture and something screwed up with the picture. And then later, it was Favre was gone. It was in the press box area. And he looked and he saw him again near the elevator. And he's like, and it didn't come out good. And he's like, I, he asked again. <laughs> and that, and, and if you don't, you probably don't know Martin, but he's not that kind of a guy. Like, but he was for that one. You know, I guess it depends on how badly you really want a picture with maybe you somebody you really look up to or you really, really, really think is an A-lister. But I thought that that was funny and I don't know, you know, what, you know, what's the proper protocol. But, you know, but just by Joe Girardi, we saw him and he said, have a nice day. And I think he appreciated me not bugging him while he was there to get his food with his wife. I think I did tell you that on that last uh, that last show. But anyway, that was my Ric Flair and in the public. All right, I do now. Sarah Walsh 
was my guest, you know, from NFL Network, NFL on Fox, formerly ESPN, ESPN Sports Center, Sarah Walsh. And I I saw that she didn't, I, I don't think she liked me to retweeted or liked. I'm like, man, when you have somebody that has so many followers, you really hope that they will. I'm just trying to grow this thing outside of people that know me from the Tampa Bay area. That's the hardest thing when it comes to podcasting. I love what I'm doing, but to try to get noticed, known outside of this place is very, very hard, but I'm just going to continue to keep doing what I do. And, and I thank you that have been subscribing to my podcast, The Rock Stops Here. Or you might even listen to Buck's Kickoff, which is 24 hours before every Buccaneer game on joebucksfan.com or wherever you get your podcasts. But but I got to see her because this week, it was last week, it was a longer week. There was an extra day of practice and there was different things that I had to do. I got a car, uh, just there was a lot of different stuff. And so I wasn't able to see her and thank her in person again. But I'm wondering like, I, I'm I'm still getting used to one broadcast a week, one podcast a week for God, 30 years. I've been on a daily grind of broadcasting, whether it's radio or TV, like 30 some years, every single day, every single day and several a day, you know, and the once a week and you got to keep promoting the same topic, different ways, maybe a different picture. And, you know, I tag her and I'm hoping she doesn't think I'm like creeping, you know, creeping out, you know, creeping her out or whatever. Cause I just, I really appreciate it. And I didn't have a chance cause the day that she was there and then she flies out on like a Friday to go whatever game she is on doing sideline reporting on NFL on Fox. But Sarah, if you're listening and I know that she's not, I'm not uh, trying to pry and you or creep you out or constantly be showing pictures of you and you know popping up. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to just trying to get new uh, listeners and get the word out. Get the word out. I and you know who also is at Bucks Camp Daily is Jenna Lane from ESPN. And I was thinking I've asked her to come on, but she politely declined because ESPN has a rule where you have to get permission if you're going on any other platform other than ESPN, which I totally get. And she's got a great gig and doesn't want to upset the apple cart and even ask, and she's busy. So it's no big thing. All the stuff that she's got going on and this measly podcast, I totally understand. But I really would like to get her on because of all the guests that I have on how did you make it in sports and broadcasting and whatever field it is, I know her story. I was there. I was involved in it. You know, and it's a great story. It really is. I mean, she works hard behind the scenes, and there's a lot more to it when you're in her position. Number one, and I'll flat out say, you got to look good. And she, she's good. She's always got the makeup done, and the, the hair, and the outfits, and all that. That's the one thing I do not miss, man. Being not being on TV daily is makeup. Oh my God. I, and I would wash it off after and then I had to put it back on. And it was just, uh, maybe, maybe women don't mind it as much. My wife said she hates the taking it off, washing it off and cleaning your face. That's a pain in the arse. (laughs) But Jenna looks good because what happened? And isn't it funny too? on how, like, you can't plan out things. Like, Jenna Lane of ESPN, I'm sure you've seen her now, wherever you are, because she covers the GOAT and the Super Bowl champs. So you get a ton of airtime. And it wasn't always like that, covering this sorry franchise until Brady got here. Let's face it. So she didn't have a daily, well, she, you know, she had, like, done a little bit of this for this website covering football, boom, 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 did this. She she did some sideline reporting for USF. She was a cheerleader at USF. And then she got this opportunity at a a small station, 1040, 820. She even was co-hosting a news show in the morning and then doubling doing sports later in the day. She was very good with video. She taught herself how to edit and figured out the technology end of it. To, to get into the video end of reporting where now is like, that's all everybody wants. And 
she did that and she did it for this website, which was all Sports Talk Florida is all the same thing. The two little radio stations, the website, blah, 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 blah. And then let go. Nothing that she had done wrong. But in broadcasting and the owner, money-wise. So anyway, that was it. Well, I'll never forget. It was an NFL draft. And I went over to One Buck. And she was in the media room. And she was breaking the story. Like every pick that the Buccaneers made, she already had it first. She was, she was, she, she knew what they were picking. Obviously, she had somebody, some source inside the building or the war room. And I was like, how, do, how are you doing it? And what are you doing this for? Myself. And I'm just putting this, my, my, and I'm doing you videos. You go outside doing stand up. I'm just putting it on YouTube, my YouTube channel, just totally by herself to keep in the game. And then there was an opening at ESPN to cover the Bucks. They had had a gentleman named Pat Yasinskis. He was had a lot of experience covering a team. He used to cover the Bucks. He covers the he covered the Carolina Panthers for a long time, and then he got the ESPN gig. And they decided not to renew, so they had an opening. And I think they were also looking ahead to the digital thing, where video they were going to have you on camera a lot more. So they were looking for someone that also you know could do the reporting but also look good. That's part of it. So Jenna auditioned and boom, boom, boom. And, and she got the gig. She got the gig and the buck stunk. The buck sucked. And you'd say, well, what does that matter? No, you still do the same job. You report the facts. You try to break stories. You try not to get anything wrong. You got to work hard, no doubt, but they judge on how many hits the page gets. And from what I was told, and I know this for a fact that the Buccaneers did not get many hits the, on the ESPN's ESPN.com. They did not because <laughs> they sucked and they really weren't newsworthy. And then, but she worked hard. She worked at everything, delivery, appearance, and boom, 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 working hard. And here comes the goat. Here comes the goat. And all of a sudden the Bucks are contenders. And now they're going to bring in Antonio Brown. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. They're going to bring in AB. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 what, what other weapons did they bring? Then the, the drafting was good. And then, you know, you got, anyway, JPP, the Dominican Sioux, they, they, they're on a Super Bowl run and they win the Super Bowl. And so she was right place, right time. But had she not, if she was let go, we're all been let go in broadcasting. It, it happens. It's just how it goes. And when you're let go, it's how do you respond? You're going to be down. You're going to be pissed. You're going to be, why me? It's not fair. This ain't right. Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually you got to boom. Listen, it'll still stick with you. That doesn't go away, at least for me, a little bit. But you got to make your own, make your own, uh, make your own path. And so that's what she was doing. Doing a YouTube, doing it, breaking it, who they're paying it, and was, she wasn't with any media outlet. And then she gets an opportunity, and then you got to run with it. And that's what she's done. So, I mean, covering the Bucks and Brady, she's on Sports Center. She's with Van Pelt at night. She's on Get Up. It's a lot of hours, but you're, you're a household name. Jenna Lane, ESPN. She is a household name. Right, also, right place, right time. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And that's just how it works. So again, I've always said that you, you got to be prepared when that time hits and when it does, you got to run with it. You got to run with it. So good luck to you. If you're still looking for your uh, good job or, you know, your, your best gig or something, you got to keep working. You got to keep prepared. And when it comes, if it comes, boom, do it. All right. Oh, the Antonio Brown vaccination card saga. Oh my God. Now look, I'm not going to get deep in this on where you are, whether you are a non-vaxxer, you do believe in getting vaccines. I just got my booster the other day. I said, what the heck? And once again, it ended up where I ended up having a partying a little bit and drinking some beers that night. I don't know. I forgot how they had the night. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And I'm fine. Just got to drink a lot of water, but I'm fine. Fine. No problem. No problem at all. You shoulder a little bit. Oh, I ended up playing basketball with my son. My, I had no wind. 
Uh, yeah, that's what it was. I'm starting this thing. My son lives 20 minutes away from here. Uh, and I don't see him much. He's 24 and he comes down once a week and he sees his sister, our daughter, and they get along great. But I'm like, I got to make more of an effort to make sure, you know, time is flying by. I said, Hunter, what about Mondays or Tuesdays? Those are my days. He has a computer graphics business himself. Uh, he's got his own studio in his in his room. So he can make his own schedule kind of. And I see he goes, that's great. So we're going to play basketball. We threw the football around again, just like we did when we were little. And I'm going to try to stick to that. And when we played basketball, now I haven't played one-on-one in, I don't remember, probably the last time with him. It's got to be before my uh, gallbladder operation. So, and when I go to the gym, I don't do any cardio. I'm in there for a half hour. I lift a few weights, go in a circle, boom. There's always a lot of people in there. Too. Damn it. And then I get the hell heck out of there. I'm not, I, I'm sorry. You know, so I, so I haven't done any cardio. Really haven't. And I was winded and I had just gotten the booster shot less than 24 hours away. I'm using that as the excuse. Do you see that? I got the booster shot. <laughs> no, I just don't have any wind. And we played and it was great. And then I threw the football with him and uh, it was great. It was no more than an hour, hour and 15 or so. We hung and it was fantastic. And, you know, that which brings me to this. I just took our little dog, Macy, out for a walk. I'm a bachelor this weekend because my wife and daughter are in the Atlanta area. Another thing with one of her camp friends uh, from camp this year in Georgia. So she's there and boom, and I'm bacheloring it out. And uh, so I just took the dog, the little dog for a walk. And I'm in, I go, go to the neighborhood, the next neighborhood over. And it's a cul-de-sac. And I see a father playing catch baseball mitts and hardball in the cul-de-sac. They also had one of those uh, netting screens where you throw it and the ball bounces back. And the father looked like, you know, he's bald. He looked, he wasn't that old and he threw nice. And I was walking the dog and I couldn't resist. And I said, Hey, you are the first father and son that I've seen with mitts and a baseball playing catch in the road in 10 years. And I was walking. I said, 10, it's got to be 25. When's the last time you've seen that? When's the last time you've driven down the road and had to slow your car down because they're playing pickle or they're playing baseball in the road? In it. When's the last time you've seen that? No. If it's not an organized practice that you, the parents are dropping the kids off and then pick them up later, they ain't playing in baseball on the road. You know what the father, you know what he said? He turned, he goes, he was grinning. He goes, isn't it refreshing? I said, it sure is. And the little boy said, he played in the minors. And I said, oh, that's great. And then I didn't want to bug him. And I was walking. I said, have a great day. He goes, you too. I just thought that was so cool. And then when I just said that, a father and son drove by me on their bicycles and I've seen them. They live on my street. I know who they are. I've seen them. They do this in the evening. They have lights on the bike and on the back seat and they both are wearing helmets. And it was like, there, there you go. These are old school ways, like playing with a mitt and a ball and just playing catch. And then when I was coming back around with the Macy, that he was, he was throwing grounders to his son and the son was picking them up and firing them to him as if he was a first baseman. I did that with my son. I love that. And riding a bike with your son, like that's cool there. That's spending time. Not, not just watching a movie or something, although that can be good too. But you know what I mean? Still some of the old school ways are, are still the best. You know, still mix it in, mix it in, mix it in with the iPad and the iPhone. The other thing too is I was thinking about when I came back from this trip down to South Florida was when I finally got back, I drove four hours down. We stayed a night. We came back the next day, four and a half. So I drove eight hours in less than like 24 hours and 75 miles an hour on the interstate. And it's because I'm older it never affected me. I never even gave it a thought for a second. 
when I was younger, man, and went to college down here for the first two years at Leo's, hell, we would drive from Jersey to Tampa Saint or St. Leo, you know, not no no sleep, nothing, nonstop. One time I was on a motorcycle in the rain on the back of a motorcycle with my friend from before Jacksonville, and we all the way up to Maryland in a driving rainstorm nonstop. Like it wouldn't affect me. But now I'm like, I'm leery of like taking chances. And I think it just comes with age. Number one, my family needs me. My, my son, my daughter, definitely my, my wife needs me. So, and number two, I just don't take, I'm leery of chances. Like I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be in a hospital, you know, and it never affected me. And I was just, I came back The girls went to sleep and I sat back out in the back patio and I cracked open a beer and I was like, I was driving on the interstate. You're going 75 miles an hour. You're switching lanes. You're zipping, you're zipping. And you're on the road for eight straight hours at that speed. There's a chance that something could happen. You know, there's, there's a chance. And I'm like, I never even thought about it before. Another thing, cleaning the gutters out with the leaves, getting on the roof. My wife has even said to me, I think it's time for you to stop getting on the roof with the ladder. I don't mind the step up off the ladder onto the roof. It's the one going backwards and stepping down onto the ladder and going down. I now have gotten to the point where I will text my wife. Can you come out and hold the ladder while I'm coming down? Or are you at the store? I'm going to wait up here. Boom. I hate cleaning out gutters and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just, there was, uh, we got a bunch of trees around here. And I've been meaning to trim some of these limbs. And I was, and a couple hang right over the driveway. It puts that like film on your car, you know, this crappy, this tree. I love the trees. I love being down here in Florida with the sun so strong, like, don't get me wrong. I love shade. Oh, I love shade. But with the trees comes, you got to upkeep them. And I climbed on this shaky ladder on the driveway just the other day. And I went one step, two step. I'm up on the third step. And I was like, ooh, this is shaky. And then I'm trying to get this moss off with a rake. And, I'm, 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 and the thing is swaying. I'm thinking I should wear a bicycle helmet. And I'm like, God, that looks stupid, doesn't it? Going up on the ladder, like just three steps, wearing a bicycle helmet to trim trees. But if I fall backwards, I hit my head on the concrete, I'm done. So just, I don't know. Is it me? Is it me? I don't know if it's me or what. Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. I said I was going to mention it. So let me mention this. So the Antonio Brown vaccination card deal. Look, it It was a former chef. He's disgruntled. He's kind of shady. He claims he he was owed $10,000. Antonio Brown didn't pay him. You don't know the story. I don't know the story. We'll never know the real, real story of what went down. But Antonio Brown has somewhat of a track record. Does he not? Yes, he does. And when this story came out, it trended for two to three days. And now the, you know, so by the time this plays, I'm sure there's, there's going to be more that will have come out, not only from this, from some other NFL players. Look, I told you that I have a source that all I can say is this source told me that there are players that have gotten their doctors to give them a fake vaccination card. So if you think Antonio Brown you know, was the only one that may allegedly have a fake vaccination card or bought one. There's always going to be shenanigans. There's always going to be guys that are going to try to beat the system. There's always going to be guys that are going to find ways to make money off of this new system, vaccination. It's just how it goes. How many, how long has fake IDs when you're trying to go into the drink to the bar to drink underage? How long has fake IDs been around? Right, 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 right. So I think that there'll be more to it. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, when this story broke the next day, I was at 
the press conferences, mainly head coach Bruce Arians. And give, I just mentioned her, Jenna Lane of ESPN, because she gets she gets these things from the assignment desk. I know how it works. Hey, man, we're working on this story. Hey, this is the lead story. You may make sure you ask about this. Boom, 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 boom. So she asked, and, and Arians, Bruce Arians, head coach of the Bucks, has been around. And he's got street smarts, and he's very good, and he's been around. So he knew this question was coming. He rides up, he gets a ride from the, sometimes the PR director, or sometimes he rides himself, but mostly he gets a ride. And I think what that is, is it's just a couple of minutes from when the, like at the end of every practice, the at least what I see, the team gathers in a huddle, huddle up, huddle up. And the coach will give whatever instructions it is. Who knows what it is? Don't, don't hit your girlfriends. Don't get a DUI. Don't bring COVID in the bill. I don't know what he's saying. It's not always, hey, you got to be Danny Dimes. Make sure you, you know, get pressure. If you're getting pressure, you got to take him down. Make sure if you run your route right. I don't, I don't think it's that. It's almost like when the pitcher gets a, the catcher comes out to talk to the pitchers. A lot of times they talk, talk about everything, but hey man, keep the ball down. It's like, you know, hey, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? You know, just to get their mind back right off of it. But anyway, Bruce Arians rides around in a golf cart all the time. And, but the only time I see him getting a ride is when it, he's going to do his media session. And this is all done outside. And we're at the back of the facility. And then you can see the field. So when it's time for him to talk to the media, he gets a ride. He's on the passenger side. And what it is, is I think sometimes the uh, PR, there might be something like, hey, they'll, they will alert him. There might be a story that came out that, hey, you might be asked about this, stuff like that, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they have that little time that comes up, boom. Usually he has a paper and it's the injury report. You know, most of it he does off the top of his head. He knows anyway he's going to be asked, but... Usually he has that with him. He walks up to the microphone. He sits down at this little table. There's a backdrop and then boom, here come the questions. So there's a question about something else. Is so-and-so ready? What about Gronk? Is he going to play? And then generally said, you know, there was a story that broke yesterday that Antonio Brown allegedly had a fake vaccination card. And Arians went, no, nothing new. It's not a story. I don't think it's a story. And the statement says says it all. See, the Buccaneers release a statement, and I'm sure it's gone over with a fine-tooth comb, the way they word their statement. And then there was a follow-up question, and then Arians was like, uh, nope, it's not a story. He's back to everybody's statement says for himself. And then he looks around. But I was really zooming in on, like, his eyes and his lips, and it was almost, almost like a smirk or, like, he knew it was coming and he deflects it, done, shuts it down. It's a non-story. Boom. Let's go on to something else. He's really good at that. Really good at that. Because you got to be careful. The more you say, can can you'll be backtracking or you can say the one wrong couple of words in a sentence and then that's what will be used as a headline and that's what will go viral. He's good. He's really good at being, I think he's damn honest most mostly but i would love to know and that next day or that day there was no antonio brown on the field oh no now he is injured but even prior to that he would come out every day come out with a helmet go over near the jugs machine they do this motion where they're motioning their their arms their arms as if they're running and then boom they catch they never stand there and just catch the football and the jugs machine by the way is not jugs a woman's it's a machine that shoots the footballs out it's got these two big cylinders going boom instead of having to have somebody just constantly pass the ball and you can adjust the speed and the height of the jugs machine and uh i've seen antonio brown take the cover uh off the jugs machine start setting it up himself and then have to have somebody on the other side turn it you know boom keep feeding the footballs in there but he had been doing that prior so it wasn't the injury it wasn't the injury, and he was not on the field that day, that next day at all. 
And I can only imagine what, can you imagine what it must've been like? What the heck they were talking to him about behind closed doors? Oh my God. He also though, I will, you know what? I'm going to give all sides to this. Not, not specifically just this story. There's a photographer in town that shoots a lot of uh, sports pictures, the Rays, the Bucks. He does uh, Yankees, Yankees fantasy camp because the Yankees have their facility, their off-season facility here in uh, in Tampa. Excuse me. And so he loves doing that. He said the Yankees are really good. They pay really fast. And he, he really really enjoys that. But he put on his Facebook page a picture of Antonio Brown right after this story broke. And he goes, I do want to say this. I know he's taken a lot of heat and he's the topic of conversation, but it was great American teaching and the school that Cliff was at or his wife was at, I think his wife was at, Antonio Brown did great American teaching and no fanfare, very polite, great with the kids and did it for his, I think it was one of his kids' classes and didn't want any, uh, you know, publicity about it and did a really nice job. And so there, there is that. You know what I mean? He's a crazy cat. I don't, you know, he's out there. He's definitely out there, but there's also good. And you know what? I wanted to bring that to light. So how about that? All right. I think that's about what we'll do here today for this one. I may, now next week, I got one. Well, we'll see. I'm going to do that interview tomorrow. So I don't want to say until it's in the can. That's an old broadcasting term. Until you get it, that's that. It's almost like, uh, no excuse, you know, until you got it and it's on this little card that I put into my laptop and download it, I'm not going to mention it. All right. And I'll be out there and we'll see what happens Boy, the football season, we're past the halfway mark. It's going fast, 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 fast. I'd like to go to Super Bowl week because I know I could load up on some great interviews. It's just very expensive because I'm not at a particular station and it's in Los Angeles because the period has opened up to apply for credentials. Uh, So I love going to Super Bowl week. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. It's very expensive. And L.A. ain't cheap. Everything is expensive. Whether you get a rental car, whether you do Ubering, whether the hotel situation, see, that's the whole deal. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm hoping. I'm hoping because I want to bring you some A-listers. All right, listen, thank you. If you're subscribing, thank you. You've been supporting me. I thank you. And let's, let's keep this thing going. All right? I hope you're doing good. Hang in there, man. And when your opportunity comes, take it and run with it. This is the Rock Stops here, and I'll talk to you next week. This week on Crush Performance, in the world of athlete development and player performance, it is critically important that we have things in context especially when it comes to talent, talent ID, and the brain game. This week, we talk with Dr. Richard Harvey of San Francisco State University, who has spent a lot of time studying and researching bio and neurofeedback, addiction, stress, and other disorders, as well as the psychology of hardiness, courage, and resilience. Which is reactive, which is proactive, and do we really understand what these important concepts are all about? You'll find out on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.